Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 430. Sounds like a big number. It is a big number. <laughs> it is a big number. Um, yeah, so um, uh, Rihanna, how are you? I'm great. Um, today is, well, we had a long weekend. Um, you know, we just got off of Labor Day weekend here, and it was my birthday weekend, and so um, we had beautiful weather, and I got outside. Um, my husband and I did this thing here in Atlanta we call, it's called Shoot the Hooch, so it's like, you float down the Chattahoochee River in tubes and just kind of like hang out. So we just like relax. The water is like ice cold. So thank God it was like 93 degrees outside. Yeah. Um, you know, and just has had a good time. It was like an awesome day. We just drank beers and, you know, talked and floated down a river and it was really beautiful. Um, and then today, uh, school started for my kids, um, cause they're a little bit younger and it was, it was awesome. They like, walked right in no tears this mom didn't cry we were just like all happy and excited and so after I finished recording this I get to go check in with them and hear how their day was so I think it was first day of school for you guys too right it was yeah well especially for for Matthew my my youngest um yeah first day for him Megan officially starts tomorrow but she had responsibilities um uh because she's on the student council there so uh they all had to be there um for, for day one to, to nice. welcome all the young grade niners um, <laughs> to class. So anyhow, um, yeah, but it's, it's a busy time of year. Lots going on and um, lots going on with a new company as well. So a uh, new employee started today and things are happening. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So we've got a good show for you. Uh, three industry news stories that, um, and three member news stories this week. I, believe we're going to have a guest next week. So that's something to look forward to next week. Uh, I'll fill you in on that. Um, well, you'll hear about it next week. So, um, and just our industry is uh, a lot happening right now. So a lot of acquisitions, a lot of new products, a lot of things going on. And uh, as usual, I'll let uh, Abriana kick it off. All right. I am kicking it off this week with a story from Google. So Google Nest actually, um, the doorbell, as so many of you probably have and know very well, um, is adding in a new feature. And so apparently this is something that like a lot of customers have been asking for. Um, and this is like a package delivery feature. So um, in essence, Nest Hello users that have a Nest Aware subscription that's active can actually use this uh, feature now where the doorbell cam will just track packages that are delivered. So any deliveries, you know, pickups, deliveries, all of those things. Um, so obviously the delivery box has to be like in the camera view and it has to ha you know, be there for a certain period of time, it must be stationary. Um, but then the notifications can be sent, you know, right there in apps, let you know, hey, your, you know, your Amazon Prime package has arrived or like whatever it may be. Um, and so I feel like this is kind of somewhat an answer to, you know, Amazon's, Amazon put out something, uh, it was like a year ago or so, where they integrated, um, so I think it's like 50 different cities have my, my Q smart garage door opener. So like the packages could just be placed in your garage if you're worried about those, you know, it's something that you want to make sure is still there. Um, but I like this, you know, obviously this is like a great 
feature. It seems that it's pretty self-explanatory why they would roll this out. Lots of people asking for it. Lots of people want to know when their stuff is there. I mean, a lot of times, like if you're ordering stuff through Amazon anyways, you're getting that delivery notification and they send you like a picture of your, you know, whatever's delivered on your doorstep, which is cool. Um, this is just like another thing that, that you could use. Um, so I think it's funny that you can turn on or off the notifications. So all of you females out there that have like shopping issues and you're hiding all those boxes from your husbands before they get home, they're going to be like notifications off, please. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think this is super, you know, this is great. Self-explanatory. It's needed. Um, you know, that's what the, the Nest doorbell is there for, like letting you know people and things are arriving. So there you go. Yeah, no, I, I think this is... Um you know, sort of uh, table stakes for, for a lot of folks now, right? I mean, and people people definitely have concerns about theft and worrying about, you know, packages they've ordered getting stolen off their doorstep. And we've talked about, as you said, the, the Amazon uh, garage, smart garage door uh, openers and things like that. We've talked about uh, in the past, we've, we at the LBMA have been involved in test projects in the past in Europe, uh, um, in Sweden, for example, with Volvo um, and some other car manufacturers where um, just like the smart garage door openers, you can provide uh, digital access to the trunk of your vehicle and a geolocate of your vehicle to have the delivery person put the trunk, the package in your trunk of your car uh, and things like that. So there are a number of different ways to go about, you know, this issue. Um, and I think it just makes sense for, you know, the doorbells, the smart um, systems like that, whether it's Ring or Google Nest or, you know, Amazon or whatever, um, you know, this is kind of something that we all kind of expect now from, from the technology that we have at our fingertips uh, or, you know, that we have access to through our phones. It was so funny, like when you think about these kinds of remote services, so last night, um, I was playing around, I saw this TV commercial come on for, so Rogers is up here in Canada is one of the big three media companies, telecom um, and internet and TV providers up here. And we use Rogers at our house and uh, I saw a TV commercial come on for this new service that they have, where if you have their internet, uh, which we do at home, you can actually, through a, a new app they've released, you can pull up all the devices in your house that are connected to the internet and you can set bedtimes for certain devices uh, like your kids and you can actually turn off the internet by device remotely. Um, so it was like, okay, so the kids are going back to school tomorrow and I'm like, okay, so it's like nine o'clock or 10 o'clock or whatever the time is that you set, you can say pause internet connectivity on these devices and um, yeah, it's like, okay. So I love this kind of, you know, I can see who's dropping something off. I can see what's happening. Like, you know, it's a bit of a surveillance economy that we're kind of moving into, but at the LBMA, that's kind of like what location data, you know, in a lot of ways has been for a long time. Um, it's also what people are concerned about. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of value uh, as I just described in it. So I love things like what uh, Nest is doing here. Well, just like your parents said, you know, whenever you were growing up and when I was growing up, like, well, if I'm paying for it, then I get to make the rules. And so sounds like that's probably happening in your household now, too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. On to our second story. So Spirit Airlines, which is a um, airline based out of Miami um, and serves uh, Caribbean, Latin America and um number of, of those types of markets. Uh, in fact, I think our good friend uh, Jonathan uh, works over there now. Is that right? 
No, he actually is over at, um, he's with oh, Norwegian, he to, right? Norwegian Cruise Line. No, he went to Silver, not Spirit. Oh, uh, Silver, that's what it was. I'm mixing up Silver with Spirit. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, One yeah, of those would be Norwegian. upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's at Norwegian, that's right. Yeah. Anyhow, um, so uh, they've launched, anyway, Spirit Airlines has launched a, uh, an interesting new way to, uh, to make reservations and bookings uh, over text message in particular using WhatsApp. So travelers can buy flights and change reservations uh, through WhatsApp now starting September 1 in both English and Spanish. Um, so you have to try this out, Aubriana, and let me know um, what you think. Uh, if you want to book over WhatsApp, I don't know. Um, it, you know, I think it's interesting, right? Because I think with a certain demographic, a certain generation, I think there's a lot that people want to do over messaging platforms. I think from a, a customer service point of view, we see a lot of value here. Um, so that basically uh, a chatbot collects the basic information and then it hands it off to an actual agent. Um, so they're not doing the whole process, which I think is good. I think blending those two things together, you know, kind of speeding up the process uh, and taking some of the, the more menial parts uh, of the, uh, the task out in terms of collect the basic information collection. Out of, the, out of the way before you get handed off to the, the live agent. I think the blend of those things is really interesting here um, in terms of completing the booking. But I, but I like that they're playing around with, uh, with using a messaging chatbot to um, facilitate a booking transaction over Facebook. So what's up? Okay, so I will say that I would totally check it out except I would never book on Spirit. <laughs> Sorry, Spirit. There you go. All right. Um, but you know, so I, I have to applaud them though, because I think that this is certainly a step forward and this is the way to a younger demographic flying on your airlines as well as, um, obviously providing lower, uh, rates and, and prices for things like airline tickets. Um, yeah, I mean, I think spirits like one of those airlines that nickels and dimes everything, which kind of stinks because, like it would be really awesome if they just undercut the competition by like, you know, 30 bucks or 50 bucks, but then they charge you 50 bucks to put on a bag. Um, even a carry on bag, you can't even take on a carry on for free. So, you know, I'm going to like give you guys not even close to a tie for this rollout feature. Uh, because I think that you're like, you know, your whole like uh, business model still is kind of crappy, but I do think that you guys are thinking in terms of what you can do. If you can't control everything, then you got to take control of what you can. And, um, you know, I think a lot of the demographic that they're going after and probably who their clientele is, is on WhatsApp. So I think this is a great thing to, uh, to be doing. It's smart. All the other airlines should be doing this as well. I love the chat features because it's like, you can come back to it when you want. Um, it's not as demanding as like, or, you know, as being on hold for a long time. So it makes sense. It's good. Yeah, I, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and I think to your point, I think this is something that other airlines need to be jumping on. Um, you know, I, I have no experience with Spirit in terms of their business models. So I can't speak to that. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it's available up here in, in Canada. Um, I highly doubt it because uh, we have enough of our low, uh, other low cost airlines up here that uh, nickel and dime on other things. So, um, but um, yeah, you know, uh, business model aside, I, you know, I guess I'll, I'll applaud them on the, on the merits of, you know, trying an innovative way to reach an audience um, and, uh, you know, going digital. I like it. There you go. So, all right. 
Okay, well, we're going to do something a little sporty now and get over to Reebok, and this is fun. I actually checked this out myself and enrolled in my own sweepstakes. So Reebok is launching a sweepstakes. So if you're into Reeboks or just, you know, you're kind of a sneakerhead or you like, uh, you know, actually don't join because I want to have higher odds of winning, but I did. <laughs> so they're launching this limited edition sneaker and they're doing a fun campaign through voice. And so through Alexa and Google assistance, you can actually download the, the Reebok skill. It's, um, it is the Reebok sneaker drop is the skill. And so through September 7th, which is probably, um, yeah, you'll hear this before them is um, you can get a crystal coated club C sneaker. So there's only like a hundred new ones and that there are 50 or uh, 50 new ones that they're going to roll out that are numbered. So they're all like hand placed Swarovski crystals, which, you know, I'm not really into like all the bling and stuff, but you know, one of a kind, my brother's a super big sneaker head. And so like, Hey, maybe he can just, you know, sell them and make a pretty penny for me. Um, so they're going to have a hundred runners up, which will also get just regular, um, additions of classic, um, classic C 85s. So it's really easy. You just get the skill, you open it up and then you say like, I want to, it'll ask you to, you know, answer a few questions. Well, let me just tell you, the first question it asked me is how old are you? I'm like, wait a minute. Is this like age discrimination? And it was just my birthday. So I'm like, all right, I'm 37, but I can still rock some sneakers. I'm feeling like a little offended already. Um, but then, you know, it asked you, know, you know what questions. your response should be. Your response should be younger than Swarovski or Reebok. This is true. Yeah. A right. lot. Yeah. Um, but at the end, you know, it wraps it up and it's like, hope your day is as fly as a new pair of sneakers. And so I just have to open up the app on September 7th between 10 AM and 12 PM and ask if, if I won. And so hopefully I will win something. Um, but my girl Cardi B did, uh, did this like little cute video plug for, um, you know, commercial with her blingy nails and everything. So I was like, Oh, like Cardi B says. So. I was like, all right, you know, I'll try this. I'll give, give it a shot here. But um, yeah, I don't know, Reebok. I was like all about this until you asked me my age. And then I just felt like, I mean, I'm, I'm proud to be 37. I'm okay with that. But, you know, I was like, is this discrimination? Are you not going to let me win the blingy shoes because you want somebody younger and cooler to be wearing them? Probably so. That's what I'm thinking. We'll have to see how this goes. See if I'll report back. <laughs> so I, I didn't watch the Cardi B video. I saw I saw it in the in the article there. Like, is it? Is it worthwhile or what? Like, I mean, it's like a one-minute video. It's Cardi. It's always entertaining. Like, should I stick it into the into the like? Should I edit it into this video broadcast or is not? No, because it doesn't actually have much to do with the whole campaign. But gotcha. All right. It's it's worth watching, not worth plugging. There you go. All right, done. Um, yeah. So, I guess so. Here, here's my take on this. Um, love the idea of the contest. I love the you know the unique limited edition idea of this i'm not into the crystal uh you know, oh, sneakers on. either but um you know it, it's um I, I think when you can do something like that with a fan base uh i think there's a draw what what i love most about this story is the use of voice technology which we've been talking about a lot uh on this show in the last year year and a half now uh and it just continues to come into almost every on a weekly basis some great brand is utilizing voice um either in, in a way to drive social engagement, a, a way to, you know, bring more fans or a way to actually do commerce. Um, I think there's, there's just so many 
interesting ways that people are starting to leverage this now. And so, um, you know, I think, I think this is really neat. I think it's, um, you know, um, jumping on, um, Amazon, you know, the other thing I like about this, it's Amazon or Google, right? Mm -hmm. It's both. It's not just on one platform. Um, they chose to do this on, on both, uh, Alexa and Google home. Um, so I think, I think that's, I think that in itself, you know, speaks to the fact that they're, they're sort of buying into the power of voice and what you, know, you can do with this. The other thing is going back to what I said earlier, uh, what I didn't realize. So last night when I logged on to that new app for checking the, all the Wi-Fi stuff in my house, it comes up and there's like 17 devices connected to my internet. And I'm like, that's why this freaking thing is so slow. And I'm like, why are there so many devices? And then I start going through and I'm looking down this list and I'm like, Oh, there's an echo. There's another echo. There's this, there's that. My TV's connected. I'm like, Holy smokes. There's a lot of things sharing this, this internet. Right. Um, and, uh, and I just don't think about that all the time. Right. Um, so anyways, to complete sidetrack there, but, uh, I like that they, um, that they're, um, you know, thinking about this in terms of multiple platforms, um, and supporting that in what they do. So yeah, if you, if you're listening to this, you still have time to jump in and compete with Aubriana for your crystal coated <laughs> bucks. There you go. There you go. So that's our three industry news stories for this week. Uh, now we will jump over and talk a little bit about what some of the members have been up to. Uh, and as usual, I will kick this off. So this story is about Place IQ. Now we've talked about these guys recently. Uh, we talked about them. Kind of campaign, uh, you know, part of the business, um, which they, you know, they sold to, uh, to Zeta, right? So, um, a little while ago, um, and, uh, and kind of just entrenching back and focusing on data. And so now they've announced that they've signed a major, uh, strategic partnership, including investment, uh, coming from Experian. Now Experian's company been around a long time, well-respected data company, and uh, so they're apparently going to be um, combining some of the uh, Place IQ landmark uh, data platform with experienced data sets and using this as a more robust uh, attribution and measurement um, tool against campaigns people are running with experience. So, um, you know, there's not a lot of details around that uh, specifically in terms of what they're doing. But uh, if you think about what Place IQ can do in terms of uh, foot traffic pattern analysis and, um, you know, going back to their original premise of, um, you know, sort of creating a grid of, of the U.S. and then looking at uh, ads delivered in the grid and, and performance against different sectors in the grid, moving from one sector to another, um, kind of taking that base, you know, sort of platform and now layering that on top of, um, of what uh, experience doing with all of their great marketing campaign tools. Um, yeah, I think this has a lot of potential. I, I think it's, it's interesting to me in, in almost in a sense that they've said, uh, I'm talking about place IQ now have said, okay, you know, we've kind of put ourselves out of that business and now we're going to be a data only company and we're going to basically open ourselves up to all of the players in the uh, sort of marketing campaign execution space. Um, as clients uh, or as partners, in this case, strategic investors and partners. 
uh, with Experian. So there was no details on the amount of money uh, that got invested or anything like that uh, in the story I read on this. Maybe you have more insights, Abriana. But um, yeah, I, I think this is an interesting partnership. It's one of those ones where I don't really know where it's going to go. I'm, I'm kind of, I want to wait and see. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, in this whole like location-based data services, uh, analytics, attribution space, there's just so much movement going on right now. It's really hard to know like what, you know, what is the next two years look like, much less the next six months um, for a lot of companies. And so we've definitely seen a ton of movement lately from PlaceIQ. And I know, um, you know, some of the things that they have been doing in terms of like, you know, and sort of selling off, but still having some level of ownership of the media portion, um, you know, made sense to me uh, from a business perspective. This obviously like the Experian data um, embedded with PlaceIQ data makes sense as well. But in terms of the strategic investment, you know, I think that we just need to, we'll have to wait and see where this goes. Um, but it's interesting, you know, like it is, I don't know if this is like all, is this all really positive movement? I would assume so. I think that it seems like there's been some um, kind of realignment of what Place IQ is going to focus on moving forward. And so I think over the next few months, we'll kind of see what that that's going to look like and how it's going to play out more. But. Yeah. It's, it's almost like all the pieces haven't fallen into place yet for them. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, they divested out the, the media side of the business. Now they're, they're teaming up with, experience over here um you know like who who is place iq i guess is the question in my mind like in six months from now like what are they what are they really still doing yes i know they're a data company and they're focusing on their on the quality of their location data but like i i wonder ultimately how they're positioning this in the marketplace against the media companies and the others that, that are out there, right? Or are they just, hey, you know, we're here to, to, to sell and partner with everybody who wants good quality data. Are they more competing with Foursquare? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. And also on the flip side of that is how are their longtime clients um, staying with them? Are they having to change the way that they interact with place like you or, um, you know, that model that they've been used to working with for however many years? Um, or is that, you know, is everything still the same? You know, what what's going on on that side either? So yeah. time will tell. We'll see. All right. So another side of location-based uh, services and data and analytics is the indoor side. And this is kind of interesting. You know, we talk a lot about smart lighting. We've seen a lot of companies kind of flush this out. I don't know that any of them have been uber successful in bringing something to fruition, but this is a new partnership where Hubble um, is partnering with Signify and Point Inside on indoor GPS. So think of like large events, hospitals, you know, we talk about this. It's not new. This is something that we've been talking about for a while um, where these, these types of indoor um, location and, you know, sort of like an indoor navigation system makes sense. So the partnership and the, this debut, in essence, of Hubble indoor positioning systems is going to provide customers with real-time location, analytics, um, indoor venues for you know, retail, hospitality, entertainment, healthcare, transportation, and special event environments will be some of the ones they're focused on um, offering these services to. So this is obviously combining the Hubble Lighting's commercial piece 
um, with Signify's indoor uh, platform, right? So they have like the visible light communication using the Bluetooth beacons. Um, you know, there's hardware that's involved, obviously. And then there's also, Signify is also the developer of LED um, lighting systems and software. So they've kind of, you know, just like lumped all this stuff in together, kind of a one-stop shop with this partnership, if you will, of everything that you might need to bring, you know, something like this to scale within a large um, venue. So um, let's see, it can also be used for um, by property managers to do like location analytics. So they touted some things like um, track occupant behavior during, you know, at facilities, look at location analytics. Um, you could look at what the in-store product searches are from within the platform, like what are people looking for? Um, and then you could obviously like map people's shopping lists, um, do things like see where the highest foot traffic is and dwell time, all of those things. Um, so I think this is interesting. You know, I, I think that this has a use case for it. You, you know, you're trying to find something like maybe in an airport or for me, I was thinking of like a casino, right? Because, um, Vegas is huge and trying to find things inside like restaurants and it can be very confusing where everything is. So that to me makes sense because, you know, when you think about larger venues as well, though, like resorts, then you get into the outdoor space, which gets a little complicated because you're not using your lighting anymore. Um, so, you know, I think that probably longer term, they'll look for maybe the ability to um, partner with somebody who focuses more on outdoor and then, you know, they focus on indoor and being able to bridge those, those items together so that it goes from one to the next would probably be super interesting. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily for a property owner who's investing in this type of lighting and features, but probably for more of like, you know, an overall indoor outdoor mapping system, whether that's Apple or Google or whatever you want to use could be really cool. Um, so I think this is interesting to me. It's not really anything like super groundbreaking. We've seen this, um, you know, I think a lot of the lighting, um, providers and smart lighting providers are sort of trying to check off a box maybe if you will on iot and how they blend those things together so it's like oh yeah we do all of this smart lighting but we also offer this as well um i i i'm not sure that anybody has figured out exactly how they're going to bring this to market how they're going to scale it how they're going to account for the cost of all of this because it is very pricey to install these types of things. You've got lighting, you've got hardware, you've got, you know, the software that is behind that and then rolling that all into an app as well and hoping that people that download the app are actually using this feature and that it leads to an increase in revenue. Um, I think it's still being proven out. So, you know, I think we're going to see more stories like this because I think that the lighting and the IOT is still a work in progress and not as advanced as maybe we thought it was going to be five years ago. But, um, you know, I look forward to hearing more and seeing how this, how this scales. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to take a slightly different, uh, take on this story. So first of all, um, I think what surprised me most about this story is the mashup between not so much Hubble's part of this, but Signify and Point Inside. Um, so, you know, just like in the previous story, like I think 
what we're seeing again in our industry and you know we've been at this you and i have been at this now the lbma has been at this now for you know almost coming on 10 years here uh, in, in covering location-based marketing the indoor field is something that we've been tracking for years and years and years and point inside one of those companies they were one of the early early members of the lbma back in the day um you know seattle company um focused on um on the indoor mapping uh, side of things and the wayfinding side of things um, and you know establish a lot of good retail customers and a lot of interesting you know customers in terms of doing that type of um, mapping and wayfinding piece of it signify um, obviously the uh, for those who don't know is there is the rebranded uh, name of, of Philips lighting um, so uh, I think they changed the name about a year and a half ago now. Uh, also, LBMA member uh, out of Amsterdam, uh, headquartered there where Philips is based, and uh, extensive operations, you know, on both sides of the pond. Um, you know, and one, I would say one of the true pioneers in uh, in smart lighting. And, uh, and, you know, to your point, I think you're right. I think that the market is still evolving around smart lighting. I think it's... Um, there's a lot of um, scaling uh, issues and a lot of uh, things that still need to get figured out. But I think we're, we're starting to cross the chasm a little bit now. Uh, we've seen good success stories, especially in Europe. Philips has had, you know, full rollout at Asda, at Carrefour. Um, you know, I think uh, our, our friends at Media Saturn uh, in Germany have been uh, testing this uh, as well now. So we're starting to see a little bit more of mainstream acceptance in the big box retail environment around these types of things. I mean, the reality is, is if you have a big retail footprint or something uh, and you've, you know, you're changing out to more efficient LED lighting or things like that, why not put smart lighting in at the same time you're, you're doing that or you're building a new store, why not put smart lighting in if the cost uh, difference isn't uh, astronomical. I think it makes sense uh, to just be ready for that. The Hubble piece of this, I think, um, is fascinating to me because these guys are a South Carolina-based company um, who, um, you know, has been a big uh, player in the industrial side of lighting, I think, for a long, long time. You know, you mentioned, you know, think automotive, think healthcare, think, um, you know, some of these industries that we typically at the LBMA don't play a lot in because we're coming primarily from the retail, you know, shopping malls, casino environment that you mentioned uh, that are more consumer oriented um, and retail oriented. But I think that um, there's a lot of, you know, one of the things that we see as a trend overall in, in our organization is the movement by a lot of our members who've been selling into those marketing oriented communities to move into non-marketing oriented verticals. And so that's what I'm, I'm most excited about this partnership because it actually uh, is a great example of, you know, showing that movement in our industry of taking technologies like Point Inside and Signify that have been, had early success in the retail sectors and now finding, you know, new opportunities in, in, the, in some of these other verticals uh, that we're, you know, we've been espousing for a little, uh, just a little while now. Um, you know, transportation and such. So, so that I'm excited about. I think this is a really good three-way partnership. Um, and um, yeah, I guess, we, you know, we'll see how it plays out, but um, interesting, like very interesting. So there we go.
There you go. All right. On to our final story. So you got to talk about Reebok. I get to talk about Nike. Um, and uh, so Nike at the, at the um, New York uh, store, their, their flagship New York uh, brand innovation store, uh, has launched a new experience uh, around their Joyride shoot. And so basically it's a full-on interactive location only at this store experience uh, where you can try out the new Joyride running shoe. Um, and so they've created a number of games and interactive experiences where you can basically play around with this thing. So the first one's called Busy Beads. It's an agility exercise that requires players to run in place as fast as they can in order to collect digital beads. Um, and you can basically, the, the goal of this, or what they're trying to demonstrate is the impact absorption uh, abilities of the Joyride shoe. Then they have a second game called Skip and Squish. It's a hot lava inspired game in which players must jump from one group of beads to another, avoiding lava to get in the other side of the floor. The player who achieves the most laps wins and the game demonstrates the responsive and lightweight nature of the shoe. Uh, and finally, uh, is a game called Cushy Kicks. It's a mashup between football and ping pong, and players have to stop digital beads from entering their goal by deflecting them to the opposing player with their feet. Uh, and the idea here is to promote the shoe's uh, personalized cushioning. So, <laughs> all that being said, uh, is that uh, they're trying to gamify and create an experience around helping you understand the benefits and, and the different uh, components of this particular Joyride shoe. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I think it's probably fun if you're there. I think if, especially if you're younger, if you're a kid, you know, and you get to jump around and play some games. Okay. I think that's cool. You know, the reality is, is that for me, like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. I mean, if, if we were on a retail tour, maybe, you know, showing people in, interesting technology innovation, okay, I'm going to do it. But, you know, if I'm just walking in to the store and I'm thinking about these shoes, do I really want to take the time to, you know, play a bunch of games to learn about the, you know, absorption of this particular shoe versus another? First of all, I'm already in the Nike store experiencing this. So probably I'm going to buy Nike shoes. And if you're Nike, do you care whether I buy the Joyrides versus, you know, the Air Jordans versus the whatever? Like, or do you just care that I'm spending money at your store? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of like 50-50 on this one. What do you think? Well, I was going to say, I think you missed one game. The final game is when all of your friends are sitting around laughing at you, jumping around to these like virtual games. <laughs> um, I think that this is, I, I agree with you. I think that this is something that what I would love to see, and I think that this would be more beneficial to a company like Nike or whoever, is to create something like this where it's like, an agnostic pair of shoes that you put on that measures all of this. And then it shows you that you should be in the Nikes or you should be in whatever shoes they are because these are the ones that fit your movement and your feet the best. So rather than promoting one particular brand and one particular style of shoe, if Nike just had, even if it was just Nike, but let's say, Hey, you come in, you put on this shoe. I see how you move. I measure your arch, all those things. I see like the things, you know, what do I, what are you plan on using this shoe for? And then I'm going to put you in the best shoe for you versus 
spending all this time and energy to point you towards one specific type of shoe when maybe it's not the one that you really need or want. Um, and chances are, if you buy a good shoe from Nike, you're going to come back and buy another good shoe from Nike because you had a good experience with it. So, um, you know, I like that they are, I like that they're being innovative as always mm -hmm. we applaud that here, but I think that long-term in terms of generating more revenue, um, creating fans, creating people who are repeat customers. I mean, Nike, who doesn't love Nike? Like it's great. Right. Um, yeah. you know, but you, do you want me, you know, I would rather spend money on a shoe that I know is going to be like beneficial for me than just come in and I want, I, I want those kicks cause they look good or like they're the newest ones out. So you don't you want any crystal encrusted, you know, yeah, no, I really don't want anything crystal encrusted. I don't think, but, um, you know, <laughs> so, so I, I, I completely like agree with what you said. and support me more. I'm like, I'm down. Right. So who are you selling? So I'm a hundred percent on board with what you just said about put on some pair of agnostic shoes and, and then run a bunch of tests to tell me what the right shoes are for me. The one thing, only one thing I would add to that is what I would do is, is I would create a series of different experiences in the store. Um, and then let you, um, you know, uh, try like go from one to the other with the with the same pair of agnostic shoes, collecting different data. So in other words, it, there might be an experience where it's like, hey, um, you know, like I want to go dancing now, and so um, on comes Brianna's Cardi B playlist or something, and then you dance in the shoes, and then it collects data about what the right best shoes are for you to buy from Nike for dancing. And then you go to the next area and you and you run. And, you know, it tells you what's the best based on how you're running, you know, shoes for you. Because if you do that, and, and there, maybe there's several others, maybe you walk out in a single visit with two or three different pairs of Nikes. Yeah. And why limit it to shoes? Hey, there could be like sensors that you put on to say like, hey, these are the best pants for you to be wearing, or this yeah. is the best, you know, for females, like, hey, this is the best sports bra, or like, this is the best gear for you. Like, this could extend, you know, across all of their different products. So think about that, Nike. Want more ideas? You, you know where to find us. <laughs> yeah, we're available. Yeah. All right. So that, that's our show for this week. Uh, three industry news stories, three member news stories. You've been listening to episode number 430 of This Week in Location Based Marketing. We will be back next week live and in person with 431. Have a great week, everybody. If you need to reach us, all our contact information, if you're watching the video, is at the end of the show. And uh, if you're not, uh, you can find us easily on social media channels uh, you know, or LinkedIn or things like that. So talk to you soon. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye.